You're listening to the PKJ and Yahweh podcast, where I take the supernatural world around us, connect it to complicated biblical theology, and then try and make it simple for everyone to gain revelation. If you're new to this podcast and would like more information, please go follow me on Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. And now time for another episode from our apologetic series. Welcome back to another session. Okay, here we go. Thanks for joining. Um, Today, I'm going to be covering more of the information about what is the meaning of eternal life? Really, what's the purpose uh, behind eternal life and why why does it matter? Really, some of these things are going to get a little philosophical in nature as you listen and join. Um, and it's that, that's kind of the point. Is It's not just to say, what is eternal life? Well, living forever. Okay, that's cool and great. But like, what's the meaning? What, what's the what's the purpose? What's the why? What's my motivation? You know, whatever it is that makes sense. But uh, this is continuing in our apologetic series, uh, especially if you want, if you're not already, if you're listening online via the podcast, we will have more information coming for how you can have access to study notes, uh, message outlines, um, study resources that you can utilize to understand more yourself and develop your own opinions through various uh, avenues of how I've developed my opinions to teach you how to really study for stuff like this and content like this. And I hope it's beneficial for you. If you want that, then uh, let me know in the comments. Leave some good reviews and follow me on Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson and send me a message. Cool. So uh, on this context of forever, right? You know, I I love the the uh, that quote from Gosh, what is that movie? the Sandlot. Yeah, the Sandlot. And and they're talking about the beast, you know, and the ball that goes over the fence. And and it's like, you know, he that dogs live there forever. I probably quoted it wrong, but that kid is just, you know, it sticks with you forever. But John 3.16, you know, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I mean, like, that means no death. You don't die. You, you literally, like, though your fleshly corporeal self, like, ceases on this planet, you don't die. And, and, and even in judgment, there is no ultimate death. You don't. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Yeah, I think I might quote that wrong. Theologian in training, here we go. So, but, you know, forever does seem like a long time. <laughs> One time, I went to Blockbuster, and uh, you remember that place you could rent videos from? And I said, hey, uh, I'd like to rent Batman forever. You know, old movie. And uh, the man at the counter said, no, you can only rent it for a week. Oh, man. I can hear the si- about the silence I'm receiving right now, recording here in my office, is the same silence I received when I shared that joke uh, to my youth group. So, um, yeah. But anyway, uh, that, that concept of forever is a really, really, really long time. So what is the meaning of life? You know, the meaning of eternal life now. Everyone's like, man, the meaning of life. And I think it was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It was talking about, you know, the meaning of life. And I think that it ended up being 42 or something like that. A number. Kind of dumb. But everyone wants to know the meaning of life. But what about this? How about the meaning of eternal life? I mean, never stop living. That's a lot. So uh, through this and helping you understand this apologetic type focus of what is the meaning of eternal life, but why is it important? We're going to hop through um, some of the opposites, you know, eternal death. What about that? No one thought about that. 
Did you? But let's look at eternal life first. Eternal life is a mode of existence referred to in scripture characterized by either timelessness or endlessness, especially uh, as a qual- uh, sorry, and especially by a qualitative difference from mortal life. That is life that can be taken from you, that you can die, right? And, and even Jesus, as he said, you know, no man, uh, no, no one can kill the son of man, right? Like no one can take my life. I willingly give it up. Wow. Imagine if you had that kind of mindset, like, boom, like, no, you can't even kill me. Like, even like, like I'm only going to die if I give up my, give up my life for the sake of the cross. Right. And not in a, uh, in a way that talking about, you know, a suicidal way, like that's not what I'm talking about, but laying it down for the sake of the gospel. So God's gift to those who are obedient and it, it's those who follow him. It's, it is eternal life. That, that's one of them. Uh, it is a, a portion of the reward as we get restored to the Edenic command that we've been given. Uh, but it's life without ending forever, right? It's referring to the age that is to come. That's what's really exciting about this. Uh, that when, when you get that, uh, these primary elements and the concepts of eternal life, clearly it shows that it is simply not an endless. Uh, it is simply not an endless or everlasting life. Although there are no final boundaries to eternal life, the Bible's primary emphasis is on the quality of life, especially its redemptive elements. Eternal life is the importation, okay, like being imported, importation, bringing of goods, services from a distant location, which is how you describe that, from uh, from the benefits of it, for the benefits of its recipients, of the qualities of the age to come into the present. Wow. What did I just say there? That eternal life is not just living forever on some beach, you know, somewhere, you know, like there's a bunch of great uh, you know, country songs. I love it. You know, when I get where I'm going, you know, a bunch of different good ones, but, um, it's not about just sitting in a cabin on the woods, staring over the ocean side for a million years until you decide to go do another one, right? Like, like Oceanside wooded cabin. Wow. That was interesting. There we go. Anyway, it just happened, but it's about the quality and importation of the life that is to come and what is going to be released in that time. So, I mean, that's a pretty big deal, but let's get into a little bit more of that. You know, see eternal life, not just to come. John 17, three, let's take a quick peek. Look at a quick, quick peek. Look at, that's a funny way of saying it, Kevin, John 17, three, let me pull that up. Simply says, now this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Wow. This is eternal life. You mean eternal life is not a unending worship service that, that never stops (laughs) that I thought it was when I was a little kid going to church. I'm like, wow. So when I die and go to heaven, I get to go to a church service. That's longer than this one. That sounds awful coming from a Pentecostal background where church services can go a long time. Okay. And I'm going to land this plane 500 different times. And, and so I was like, man, I mean, I, yes, I don't, I don't want to go to hell cause that sounds terrible, but I guess the other option is a worship service that never stops. That's not what it is. Look at here, John 17, three, again, I'll say, now this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So powerful. Eternal life is to know you. The original sense of this statements to know is experientially. Wow. There's a really fancy Greek word that I'm not even going to try to try to say right now. Um, but it's, it's experientially 
to know God, to know him through experience him. You know, it's kind of like, you know, about that really cool ride that's you can go on at, at Six Flags, you know, you've, you've watched the videos on YouTube and you've, you've done all this. Like for me personally, I was so pumped to go on Star Wars Rise of the Resistance at Disneyland. Uh, we took a trip of with our students uh, that won this big old prize getaway. It was a big deal. Okay. I won't go into that detail, but yes, I did take my students from Washington. Okay. Not DC all the way down to California. California to bless them for all the hard work they put into for over a year because they won a competition, a prize, and they got to go to Disneyland. We were there literally on the last days that Disneyland was open. Um, we got there and they said, we're going to close. And we're like, well, now what do we do? So we made the most of it and we were there the entire last day. Now on the last day that Disneyland was open uh, in 2020, uh, I believe it's opening up again soon. But anyhow, with that, we went there and we were like, no, there's no way we're going to get on Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, the new Star Wars ride, like everything booked out solid, like every morning you had to get your boarding passes virtually. And and it was like, ah, you know, we won't even try. So we just enjoyed what we could enjoy without worrying about what we might be missing out on. So we went to the other parks and my sister all the way from Washington calls me up at like 10 a.m. and says, are you guys going on Rise of Resistance? I was like, no, there's not going to be any boarding passes. She's like, go now, go now. They, they're they're like you, And you had to be physically in the park in order to get the boarding pass. So we like had to run out of uh, the one park because you got California Adventure and Disneyland, you know, side by side. We had to run out of one park and into the next in order to be, you know, virtually present so we could get try to get our boarding passes. And we did, and we booked it. We got our boarding passes. And on, it was like the last ride we went on in Disneyland before it shut down and they all waved bye to us. And we went on this ride. Now, my sister had watched all the videos of Rise of Resistance. She's like, it's such a cool ride. And she's like, you should check it out. And I was like, I want to see it, but I don't really want to like ruin it, you know, because like there's, they're seeing it and then there's experiencing it. And so this is what we get in the life to come of eternal life is, is we've been seeing and hearing of and, and learning about Christ, who is Christ, who is God, who is the almighty, this unseen realm of, of supernatural spirit beings and the eternal, like not just ever live everlasting, but like never, no beginning, no ending God. And we we've heard of him and of his works, but we will get to at that time, know his ways and experience him side by side as Adam walked with him in the cool of the day. So that's this original statement of that eternal life is is not just to live. It is to know God. It, it, you can experience this eternal life in some capacities now on this side of mortality in the flesh, though knowing and uh, through knowing and experiencing God, you can experience God now. And I think it was a, is it a Blackman or I'll, I'll come back to this one, but there, there's a great, uh, uh, teaching for le- leaders and, and, and one other, we took our students through, um, called experiencing God. And I think it was really well done, but John 14, six, it says, I, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life life, you guys, the, and everything that gives life is him. Life is Christ. Life is God. And so we get to experience him and to know him is to know how to live, to know Christ is to know how to live because he is life and in him, we have life. So what is the opposite of life? Well, sheesh, let me ask you that Daniel 12 verse two, take a peek here with me. Daniel 12 verse two, it says multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life and others to uh, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Yikes. Lake of fire. 
another big fancy Greek word that, you know, we can, uh, you can look up yourself. Limne to pyros. Yeah, pyros. I was a bit of pyro when I was younger. So anyways, um, with that, others are going to wake up to eternal death. I heard someone say it so well recently, and I forget who it was, but I apologize. They said that, that in, I believe it was my friend, Adam Narciso, um, perhaps even, uh, could be wrong. Maybe he's quoting somebody else. doesn't matter. He says in the life to come, when we die, when we step on the other side, when we step into eternity, be it when Christ returns and calls all, calls all his people back wherever you land on, on, uh, the return of Christ, you know, in the rapture. Um, and, and we are at one with Christ and he'll separate the sheeps and the goats and he, he will send some to this lake of fire. It, it said that, uh, he said that basically when this takes place, God is not then going to force everybody to follow him and obey him, but they're going to get the fulfillment, the fullness of what they longed for their whole life, which was separation from God, which was separation from the saving grace of Jesus. People who rejected the word, who rejected Christ, who rejected his bride, who rejected his church, they'll receive in full what they have. He's not going to force himself on them. They will receive in full for all of eternity, complete separation from God. So now then, if then God is life, love, hope, happiness, joy, all the fruits of the spirit are, are embodied in God, then they get the opposite of that, the lack of that, the absence of that, which is, which is death, which is sadness, with depression, which is pain, which is anguish, which is isolation, which is being cut off from the source of life. Man, so this lake of fire, the final abode of Satan, his servants, and unrepentant human beings. At this place, uh, this place is mentioned only in Revelations. If you take a, the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 19 and 20, uh, 19 verse 20 and then verses uh and then also chapter 20 verse 10 verse 14 15 and then 21 uh, chapter 21 and verse 8 but it's terrible nature is abundantly clear we're going to look at revelation 20 and 10 first i'll go ahead and pop it open so we can go through it revelation 20 and 10 wow revelation 20 10 there we go easiest way to do it i'm not using right now my logos bible software maybe i'll have a you know uh, a uh, uh promotion form at some point but great software uh definitely get a get a, invest in it but revelation 20 verse 10 says and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone Ooh, yikes scary word uh where their where their breast and there were, uh, sorry, that was awkward, where the beast uh, and the false prophet are and, sh- and shall be tormented day and night forever. Not a good p- place. The beast and his false prophet after the lamb defeats them. Satan after his last rebellion. You see death in Hades is then also thrown into the lake of fire. You see hell is not the final stopping place. Okay. The, the lake of fire is, it says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. (laughs) And it says all whose names were not found in the book of life. It is called the second death for it is the ultimate separation from God beyond the resurrection and final judgment, which the final judgment we see in revelation chapter 20, verse 15 which says, and anyone whose names were not recorded in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. And, uh, and man, yikes, that's not going to be a good thing. Uh, why is eternal death living forever? That doesn't make sense. So I'm, if I'm dead 
and there's not nothingness what what is that why does that matter right like uh well let's take a look and just read revelation 20 verse 10 through 15 and just take a peek at the fullness of what the scripture has to say it goes on and it says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown in the lake of fire of burning sulfur, and where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, they will be tormented day and night forever. The judgment of the dead. Hmm. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them and each person who was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire and the lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found in the book was, uh, was thrown into the lake of fire. Ooh, yikes. But I mean, isn't Jesus a cool guy? Isn't, isn't it like, like he, you know, hell for eternal punishment doesn't sound like the Jesus that sat with sinners and ate with them, is it? Well, what does the Bible say? I'm always going to say that. What does the Bible say? I can tell you my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter because it's the word of God that matters. My opinion is just what I've developed throughout this fleshy life. The word of God is what matters and what is eternal. So when you look at Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46, it says, And when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit in his on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he, will be, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left and then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father take take my your inheritance uh the kingdom for you are uh the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world should wear my glasses today forgive me everybody listening to me stutter stutter through these words Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you let, invited me in. And I indeed, I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. Verse 44 they also will answer the answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger and needing of clothes or a sick person in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. That is intense. Just making sure I was recording there. Got panic for a second. Thanks for your patience. But you see, there's an emphasis here of that you, they will go away. They will say, when did I do this? When did I not take care of you? And when did I not, not, not honor you? You see, sin 
is more serious than we realize. The revolt against God is more serious than we think it is. An insurrection against an, an infinitely worthy creator is, is an infinitely heinous crime. It's a heinous offense. We know something of this intuitively, however. You see, this is why our human sentences of justice, we sentence a man to one punishment for threatening to kill his coworker and another man to a much more severe punishment for threatening to kill the nation's president. Imagine getting a 300-year sentence, and then during that new millennium, <laughs> all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I was going to die and now there's the new millennium that's on the earth and people live like for a thousand years, depending on how you theologically understand that. It's like now I'm going to actually live out my 300 year sentence in prison that, <laughs> you know, some of them have the reprieve of dying, you know, uh, my gosh, uh, and hopefully finding Christ before then, but not in that millennium. But that's a whole nother topic. But you see, sin, you guys, does not disappear. It can't. It, it, it won't. It's an offense. It will not disappear. The sinner in hell does not become morally neutral upon his sentence to hell. We must not imagine the damned displaying gospel repentance and longing for the presence of Christ. They do indeed, as in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. If you take a look at Luke 9, uh, 16, verse 19 through 31, this is a key passage for understanding. Like when people step into hell, they're not all the same saying, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me and, and allow me to enter into the gates of heaven. Like we see the cartoons of, uh, you know, Tom, the cat and, and Jerry, the mouse. And like all of a sudden he falls into, you know, dog hell. And like, it's all dressed up like a demon. And he's like poking him a stick. And he's like, I'll go back and let, let me make things right. Like, no, that's not what it is. Like we look at the story of the rich man and Lazarus, Luke 16, 19 through 31. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gates laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat from uh, what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came out and licked his sores. It's gross. Okay. Verse 22. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side or Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades where and was buried in Hades where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Verse 25. But Abraham replied, son, remember that you had a lifetime that in your lifetime, you received the good things while Lazarus received bad things, but he is now com comforted here in, and you are in agony. And besides all this between you and us is a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here, cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us verse 27 he answered then i beg you father send lazarus to my family for i have brothers let him warn them that they so they will not also come to this place of torment abraham replied they have moses and the prophets let them listen to them no father abraham he said but if someone from the dead goes to them they will repent all he said to the, he said to him if they do not listen to moses and the prophets they will not be convinced even if someone raises from the dead you see they seek an we seek an escape from punishment but they are not new creations they do not uh, they do not in hell love the lord their god with heart mind soul and strength they just want to escape the fire that's it they don't they don't desire to say let me be right with god it's like no come come ease my pain it becomes a selfish driven and guess what in the end they get all they want which is 
themselves. Instead, in hell, one is handed over to the full display of his nature apart from grace. And this nature seems to be, uh, it, it, it seemed to be satanic. When you look at John 8.44, I mean, boom, take a look at that. John 8.44 says, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding on to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and a father of lies. So, I mean, come on. It's it's satanic nature. And, and the condemnation continues forever and ever because the sin does too. Hell is the final handing over, according to Romans 1, of the rebel to who he wants to be. And it's awful. It really is. So what does all of this mean, though? Eternal, never-ending, both suffering and both eternal life with God and hope and peace. The reality is, I've got a story for you. I've got a, I've got a story. Have you ever had something coming up that you just can't avoid? You just can't. You can't avoid it. Like, like it's the introvert's nightmare. Like I have that family thing that I have to go to. And if I, if I don't go, I'm going to be, uh, you know, ostracized even more from my family. I already am. Like I have to go to like, like it's awful. Like you, you don't want to be, there's a fear in that healthy manner <laughs> that, that should, that should grip you. It's like, if I don't go do this, like it's going to be an obstacle not, they should do stuff out of peer pressure, but like, you've got this, this thing coming up. You, you can't avoid it. You can't escape it. There is an eternal life for you or eternal death that goes on living in the lake of fire forever. And that should terrify you to some degree that no matter what, you will face this opportunity. You will face this outcome. Everybody will, period. No one escapes it. You either be with Christ for all eternity or you are cast into the lake of fire and eternal torment forever. There is no second chance. Your second chance is now as you live and breathe. That's it. You see, everyone enters eternity. Eternity. No one escapes judgment, either with Christ, having received his forgiveness of sins through Christ's sacrifice and payment, which only he could pay. There's no good you could do to get your way there. Or we keep the penalty and punishment of our eternal sin which we suffer unending eternal damnation, suffering, and death without ceasing, along with every other demon and wicked person throughout all of history. You see, eternal life is both for today and forever. Through experientially knowing God now, today, and day by day, and being known by Him forever in the age to come, or by everlasting punishment for sin that could have been wiped out clean by simply saying yes to Jesus. You see, God sends no one to hell. He doesn't. He sends no one to punishment. Mankind willingly walks through the front doors of hell. The decision isn't waiting for you. This decision for you to send, okay, which way are you going to go? Sin and this fallen world will love to take you out before you can make your choice. And there is a day when Christ will return. You, having heard the gospel but not following it, will forever have missed your chance, like the rich man, Lazarus. So, what is eternal life? It is knowing God experientially and being known by him in the age to come, and you can partner with that today. Eternal life is not just for tomorrow, but for today. And also realize that there is only one other option, eternal separation 
eternal suffering, eternal absence of all that God is. And God is good. God is life. God is light. God is hope, happiness, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you want to even experience any of those things, you got to partner with God. Or you'll go the other direction and have the absence of all that God is. It's a serious, serious decision. So that's what it is. That's what matters. Hope that was helpful. And I hope you guys uh, enjoy the next one as we go through all these topics and the ever-expanding list of topics. I'll try to keep them short enough that you can can take your notes and, and press it down to a reduced amount of whatever you need to utilize it for, for those elevator, you know, speeches or those hallway conversations or that random, you know, coffee shop chat that, you know, happened in line while you're ordering a coffee. I want people to answer these questions quickly and know that there's significance to each of them. So with that, that's all I got. God bless. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information about the show, Kevin's work, or you have questions or would like to be a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me directly on my Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. I look forward to hearing from you. God bless.